Minasan konnichiwa. Vin to nihone no michi de gozaimasu. Hi everybody, this is Vin from the Road to Japan and welcome to episode number one. Welcome to the first episode, as I said before. Um, in this episode, I'm just going to be giving a quick introduction to myself and the uh, podcast itself. And I hope you find it all interesting. Okay, so I'm Vin. I'm moving to Tokyo in March. It's September now, so it's about six months away, you know. It's, uh, it's coming up quite fast. Yeah, I've, I've lived in England all my life. I've moved, I've moved quite a lot. I've moved 40 times. And to be honest, England doesn't really change that much. Uh, accents change and a few little things you know people call bread different things <laughs> but honestly it doesn't it really doesn't change that much from north to south to east to west so yeah I've I've been meaning to get out of England for well for quite a while now so I, well I knew since I was quite young that I probably wasn't going to stay here um, it was just a matter of finding a place to go well not a place to go I sound like a refugee but uh, find a place which I was interested to move in, I should say, and develop my life further. Uh, not that I couldn't do it here, I'm just, you know, you become quite bored of a place and you can't, after a while I I found that I couldn't sit still physically, you know, I couldn't, after about a year of staying in one house I kind of get twitchy, I'm just like, oh, I need to move, you know, because I'm so used to it. See, I think it's more of a psychological thing, obviously, but, so yeah, uh, why Japan? Uh, it's, a, it's a very good question, I get it quite a lot. I always get uh, family and friends and say, oh, you're moving to Tokyo, well, why Japan, why why moving to Tokyo? Well, I'll give the reasons why I got into Japan in the first place and how that developed into the manifestation which it is now. So the main reason why I got into it all really was um, through my love of video games when I was younger. When I say younger, I mean like the age of nine onwards sort of thing. Um, I grew up with video games like uh, Final Fantasy and Metal Gear Solid and Ico and you know these amazing video games and then that uh, branched off into uh, the anime world so I started watching like Studio Ghibli uh, movies like Spirited Away and Howl's Moving Castle and you know I just got completely absorbed by this this interesting different format and uh, anyone who's a fan of anime and video games knows that the Japanese uh, video games and the Japanese uh, anime are very very different and it's it's quite hard to even put your finger on why it's different I mean fundamentally they are the same they are the same to uh, Western formats I mean but I think it's just there's something intriguing about them you know their their love for like childish sort of you know playful not childish sorry uh, like playful things um, within a serious context and I, I love that aspect I really do because everything everything is still nice and happy and bright you know even in the contrast of darkness I mean if you, if you look at some really popular like uh, video games and anime and books like from uh, Japanese culture and compare it to things like Lord of the Rings you know a very dark heroic fantasy tale um, then yeah if, if, if Lord of the Rings was written by a Japanese person I can imagine it would have a lot of uh, a lot of fun, a lot more fun anyway. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a funny one really. 
but yeah, as as soon as that sort of stuff started intriguing me, I started to branch off and look into more. So um, I got really interested in uh, samurai culture and things like that. And this is the important aspect of most people that are, are interested in Japan. There's a very big difference between uh, liking Japan and liking Japanese pop culture. Um, it's a huge misconception. And there's a lot of people that are called weeaboos and uh, Japanophiles, Japanophans, things like that. that. These are the people that um, think they like Japan and think they like Japanese culture, but they don't. They like Japanese pop culture. And it would be a very different world for them if they did get exposed to actual Japanese culture, actual Japanese history. Uh, they might find it interesting for a while, but it, it wouldn't hold their attention even half as much as the Japanese pop culture. And, and ultimately, they lose interest. Um, and I've seen it far too many times, and I have to be quite clear in saying that uh, it was Japanese pop culture that got me interested in Japan originally, but that changed over time, and once I started to look into history and the culture and the depth which Japan actually holds, and it has a hell of a lot of culture, uh, especially in the art region and uh, the foods and um, etiquettes and politeness and uh, how people are and how they react. Uh, Japanese mindset is a very complicated thing which a lot of people don't know about from the outside world um, but yeah it's as I said it was something that got me interested originally and that's where it all branched off really uh, the main thing that got me into actual Japanese culture was a book which I read by Arthur Golden called Memoirs of a Geisha I'm sure a lot of you have heard about it uh, there's a movie released on it, wasn't that great the book wasn't even like the most amazing book in the world, don't get me wrong but it opened up a doorway for me um, I'm not saying it was the greatest story either, but just just uh, it was such a big insight to how the Japanese mindset is and how people talk and act and you know how they make decisions based on things which if, if they were over here in England if certain things came out in a certain way then people will react in a very very opposite way you know they react very negatively whereas the Japanese mindset have a thing called honen and tatamai which is basically uh, your your true self and your face self uh, I can't remember the exact translation I don't even know if there is a, a translation for it but it basically means that even if things are negative around you, even if things are awkward, even if there's someone there that you don't like, you still put on that. Uh, you still put on the front to just make sure everything keeps in harmony and keeps in sync and everyone's happy. And I think that's a really important aspect about Japanese culture is um, just keeping the harmony of the group going. I mean, even if something negative is happening, even if someone is upset, even if something has happened which is gonna send awkwardness throughout the whole group everyone still says upbeat and happy and nice and you know we'll try and get through this you know gambate and you know do your best and all this sort of stuff and it's that which really attracted me I mean because if anyone's lived in England or in the West a lot of America is like this as well I'm just generalizing but it's totally true um, everyone will know that people use a lot of negativity to gain attention. Sometimes not even consciously, it's sometimes a subconscious thing. If people need support or something then they'll do things or they'll say things to get that attention, to get the support from their friends. Whereas in Japan there isn't so much of a support system more so let's just stay happy and keep on track 
and everything will be fine. And nine times out of ten, it is fine. So yeah, it's for me. I mean, I know I know it's it, there is uh, cons and pros to each sort of society uh, actions, but after living in uh, England for 24 years, you know, you kind of get sick of the negativity and people gaining attention, you know, seeing these Facebook updates day in, day out, people saying, oh, some such and such has said this, or I hate my family, they've done this, and it's it's so silly, but like I've got, I've got a lot of Japanese friends on Facebook and on Mixi and on Skype and stuff, and honestly, I, I can count on my hand the amount of negative uh, comments and status updates I've seen from the many many Japanese friends I've got and it's just such a contrast such a contrast and I'm not saying everything is nice and happy in Japan but the fact that everyone is just getting on with it and just saying you know what it, it doesn't matter you know it's it's not the end of the world let's just get on with this and we'll all be here for each other regardless I mean obviously close friends in Japanese society are going to talk and talk through things and help each other out and be supportive but as a society it's um, it's very awe inspiring to see that to see uh, a group of people and a nation just to say never mind let's just get on with it gambate you know it's 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 great to see I mean a lot of people see negative points in this but I prefer to see the positive side in it and it is a great great aspect of life which I reckon a lot of a lot of other countries should take on board, especially England. The best example that I can actually give of this uh, happened about a year and a half ago, and it was shortly after the, uh, the great uh, earthquake and tsunami that happened in off the uh, coast of Sendai, uh, Tohoku earthquake. But uh, shortly afterwards, I joined a Japanese society here in a, in my city to try and contribute the best I could to try and raise money with the society and we ended up getting together and forming a few events uh, I, I'm not going to go into how much money we raised but we raised a substantial amount and I'm very proud of it but uh, the thing that I that I took away from it uh, the most was the fact that there was people there that actually had lost their family members that lived in England and they had to travel back and, and bury their loved ones which is very, is very upsetting but surreal to see at the same time as as is used people very very dignified you've never seen such dignity in all your life it's just kind of yeah it's a tragedy and you know all we can do now is uh, do our best and try and help the people that need our help these people ended up uh, doing tea ceremonies and uh, putting a kimono on um, on the general public and I myself was drawing drawing little manga and anime characters like Pokemon characters and stuff uh, for children and that's how I raised my bit but there was I remember one girl particularly and she was she was only 16 and she'd lost her she'd lost her aunt who she was very close with back when they lived in Japan the year before but I remember I remember speaking to her and you know, there was, there was tears in her eyes when she was speaking about it, but she kind of she kind of said it's this is more important, and just that whole just just to see that from such a young girl, it was just so inspiring. I mean, here in England, if that happened, um, people would rightfully so. Don't get me wrong; it's not a bad thing that people grieve, but 
I was just extremely impressed by the dignity and how everyone banded together and just said it's happened, there's nothing we can do about it, let's just do what we can. And for me that was that was the turning point, that's when I said I I wanna live among these people. I'm not just like in England, I mean I wanted to I wanted to be a part of that. I wanted to see if I could adapt to that myself and that's extremely important to me. And I think Hone and Tatamai and uh, the whole Gampate thing is that's I think that this sort of this sort of thing. So yeah, that's that's another aspect. That but again, that falls under the people. Okay, so uh, what else? What else interests me? Um, of course, the the biggest the biggest elephant in the room when it comes to Japanese culture, definitely is the uh, the language, the language barrier. Uh, Japanese has been rated by many many people, many societies and groups and uh, organizations to be the hardest language to learn for a westerner and it's important that I say that uh, because if you're Korean and you're learning Japanese it's obviously a lot easier because their language structure is very similar as it, uh, it's quite e it's easier for a English person to learn French same sort of thing but for a westerner i.e. American slash English Japanese is the hardest and not because of the spoken language or the structure itself I mean I, w I won't go too much into the language, I mean, right here, right now, but uh, the hardest part about it is definitely the, the writing system. The writing system for the Japanese uh, language is very, very complicated and very extensive and long, which has had attempts in the past in history, in history to uh, get it changed to a more simplified version, but it's always fell through because tradition is very important in Japan so once the tradition's there it's pretty much there to stay um, that's why they have so many festivals and holidays and things like this uh, it's totally true and um, a lot of people agree but yeah I've been I've been learning Japanese for the last uh, couple of years now and from what I know of it it's extremely hard and extremely difficult but it is very it's very rewarding once you start to get used to it because you do know it's the hardest language in the world and once you do have that first conversation with a Japanese person you kind of think wow I, I did it that's it's pretty much no other language that I couldn't tackle now now that I can actually have a conversation with a Japanese person which is bizarre but recently I was walking home here in my own city I was walking home from work and it was quite late at night, it was about one o'clock in the morning because I work in a restaurant at the moment and um, I walked past a an Asian girl uh, in the street and she was stood outside a... it was in this street there's there's many hotels and she was stood outside on the street uh, with a piece of paper like looking around very confused and I walked over and I said are you okay? and she was she was like um... me not understand and I was like um... help? and she was like oh yeah help and so I took this piece of paper and I looked at it and it said um, oh, sorry we missed your call today um, please please find our key behind a plant pot on our doorstep this is our hotel name and stuff and she was just kind of like completely bewildered by this handwritten note <laughs> uh, but yeah so I asked her I said oh, where are you from and she she said I'm really broken she went, oh, J Japan I was like, oh, so I, I just said to her, and she was so relieved, but very confused at the same time, why a an English guy in the middle of England, in quite an English city, 
was speaking to her in Japanese. I was saying stuff like, oh, here's your key, and, you know, this is the hotel that you're meant to be staying at, and things. And I've, I've never really had a full-on conversation with a stranger like that before. Um, I've had, I've had many um, organized conversations, you know. You email each other and say, oh, do you want me to have a conversation, we'll practice, etc, etc. But she was the first one I'd ever actually just spoken to, randomly. And just completely caught me off guard. But we held the conversation quite well, between her broken English and my broken Japanese. <laughs> it was, it was interesting, I was, it literally made my day. And even though I'd just worked a 12 hour shift, I was in such a foul mood. And I was like, oh, I just want to get home, I want to get in the shower, I want to go to bed. And it completely revitalized me just having this conversation for two minutes with this girl. And not because it's a girl, by the way, just because, yeah, Japanese conversation. And uh, yeah, it was, it was very rewarding and gratifying to actually do that. But yeah, the, the Japanese language itself is extremely, extremely complex. But it's, it's good that it's so complex because it's so unlike anything like English that you've got nothing to compare it to. I mean, the biggest problem that I ever had when I was in high school and I was learning um, uh, French and German and Spanish was because some words were so similar to English and to each other as well. So some French words sound like German words and some German words sound like English words and some English words sound like Spanish words. It was kind of like, they all kind of like fold into one, obviously because of Latin. But yeah, it was, you kind of get confused like in cross wires now and then but with the Japanese language you, it's impossible to cross wires because you've got nothing to compare it to unless of course you know Korean or Chinese then that's a different world altogether but for me personally I mean so yeah so the the people and the language are the main reasons um, just to communicate with other people in a different language I mean anyone that knows a second language knows how rewarding this can be but yeah Japanese um, also has that aspect that you feel rewarded for your hard work, which is great. It should always be like that. So yeah, they're they're pretty much my main reasons for wanting to go. But obviously, there's other there's other things like uh, the fact that Japan is statistically extremely safe. Um, a lot of uh, foreigners or or gaijin gaijin being the, the translation for foreigner. Um, are aware of this and uh, it's it's nice to be able to just walk down the street with an iPad in your hand with your with your door unlocked at night and stuff like that I mean a lot of people take this sort of stuff for granted but here in England it's a lot of people think twice before they do that um, it's very rare that you put more than uh, 40 pounds in your in your wallet <laughs> you know you keep everything else in your bank account just in case you get robbed and it's totally true yeah, there's, there's very few accounts, well, whenever I've spoken to uh, my Japanese friends, I always ask them, you know, um, how how much crime have you ever come across? And they say, well, some, but, uh, like, when they when they actually give me a physical list, it's kind of like, yeah, my friend's house got burgled once, when when we were five. And it's kind of like, once? That's that's it, once. And it's, it's strange, and on that occasion, it was actually a gaijin, which had had done the burglary so yeah it was a funny one really but yeah gaijin giving us bad names before we go over there isn't cool but you know it's, it's bad to happen so yeah the crime rate's quite low uh, 
the the unfortunate things about Japan, I say unfortunate, but the bad things I should say, is um, the cost of living is very high over there. Uh, to rent an apartment is twice as much as it would be here. That's a downside. But at the same time, I'll be earning double the money through working as an English teacher. And I'll go into the whole uh, teaching English side of thing and in a different a different podcast. But yeah, it's it's not too much of a burden. I'll, I'll still either way, I'll I'll end up with a job that is a nine to five, which will be nice, <laughs> as anyone knows. If you work in the restaurant business, um, working a nine to five is just a godsend. Oh, but working a nine to five and getting well paid for it in a respectable job where you have to actually wear a suit, that that is appealing to me. Um, even though by trade I am a conceptual artist and I am mainly built for like, artistic purposes. Well, I think it'd still be nice for me to do something different before I try to jump into that feat first. So yeah, the, the whole cost of living thing isn't too much of an issue, especially with the job that I'm going for. So that's okay. Uh, another bad thing is obviously the earthquakes and the constant danger of tsunamis and other natural disasters. I mean, I'm fully aware of the dangers that are out there, and I know that it's roughly every 50 to 100 years they have a very major earthquake. And it is true that um, there is a major earthquake that is due to hit Tokyo within the next 20 years. But it, c- it could be 20 years, it could be 100 years, they don't know. But they know it's coming, that's the only thing. Um, everywhere else I've visited or been to, I've just you kind of look at the place and it's kind of like, it isn't that much different from England. It's one of the main reasons why I'm, I'm not interested in America, is the fact that it is so similar. I mean, there are differences, of course, but... How people talk, how people act, how people react. It's just an exaggerated version of England, to me anyway. That's my personal opinion. Obviously it's probably wrong, but <laughs> that's just that's just how I feel about it. I honestly believe that the, the weight of danger compared to the weight of happiness is very unbalanced, so it's, I'm okay with it. Well then guys, that would be the end of this episode. Um, but before I go, I will be telling you about what I'll be talking about in the future, so what you have to look forward to on this uh, podcast. Uh, you're very welcome to subscribe if you're interested in any of these subjects, but I will be going into more detail about my large-scale plan, so step-by-step uh, step how I'm going to get there and in terms of uh, money, and I'll be talking about visas and setting up home once I get over there, um, preparing for culture shock, um, preparing with the language, and things like this so I will be going into depth with absolutely everything that I can if you've got any questions whatsoever then feel free to email me you can find me at gaijinvin at yahoo.co.jp so it's a Japanese email address but feel free to email me ask me any questions and I'll answer them either by email or if, if I'm up for it I'll answer them directly on the podcast But if it gets popular enough, then I'll be doing questions and answers sort of sections in the podcast. But before I do go, I'll uh, give you a tiny bit of a Japanese lesson. Um, I'll probably be doing this like once every episode. But uh, today's word will be do your best, which is gambate. So uh, next time your friend's having a hard time, say gambate. And yeah, (laughs) make them try their best. But again, thank you very much for listening, guys, and I hope to see you soon. Jamathanet.